0: Hello and welcome to iEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. Could you please introduce yourself?
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Julian Jachtenberg. I am a founder of Somnox, which is a startup that is currently manufacturing soft robotics that helps people improve their sleep. And I'm a former robotics engineer from the University of Technology in Delft, here in the Netherlands. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. So let me ask you, what is the first robot you built? And what is the feeling at this time?
1: Yeah, that was when I was a child. Like, mm-hmm. I really was obsessed with the movies Star Wars, and C-3PO and R2-D2 were my big heroes, and I had posters of them next to my wall. Um, and I, I was tinkering with uh, Lego Technics, and I created the um, the robotic uh, Wally, uh, you know, the famous Disney movie uh, yeah. robots. And I could basically remote control it, but I also gave it a sense of autonomy by uh, getting in some uh, Mindstorm. Uh, sensors, so mm-hmm. I could just basically spy around the house. And that gave me a sense of creation that was so cool that I could, could create living creatures that would scramble around the house and that had some sort of intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. That really was where my passion for robotics all started.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. So let me ask you, before going to the details, how you just started to know soft robotics and how you came to the term of soft robotics.
1: Mm-hmm. So my first uh, encounter with soft robotics is also from a movie, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As you see, I'm a I'm a big science fiction uh, enthusiast.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it's the movie Big Hero 6, Yeah. Um, the soft robotic Baymax. And mm. that is just really the most amazing uh, robotic I have ever seen because it broke through all stereotypes. Mm. If you think about robotics, most people think of the metal dangerous creatures that will destroy our world or that will take our jobs. And then Baymax came around and he was this friendly, big marshmallow kind of looking uh-huh. soft robotic yeah. that you could actually look and what made of silicon. Uh-huh. Um, and that w- I was so inspired by it because in this case, it was also a nursing robot. So in this case. It could help people um uh, give their proper medicine and um all in a safe way because i wouldn't be around a metal robotic if i would be in the hospital Mm. so i guess the baymax is really a game changer and uh, the future of what the added value of soft robotics brings uh, which is bringing robotics closer to to humans than ever before
0: interesting Mm So, let me ask you how you would define soft robotics from your perspective, how you would see it uh, as a definition.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so first of all, uh, I would say what is a robotic? um, Mm -hmm. And then let's work towards what is a soft robotic.
0: Um,
1: From my point of view, a a robotic in in, in any case is an entity that has um, something that can sense its environment, analyze the data and then act upon it, um, which is the most bare definition of what a robotic is. Mm. And sometimes I'm still in an argument with my friends, um, whether for example, a mobile phone is a robotic. Mm. Um, you know, you, you could argue about that, if there is a sense of uh, autonom- uh, autonomicity. Um, when it comes to soft robotics, I would say that it is a robotic that is um, with barely any stiff materials. So it can move around, you can squeeze it, it is safe to use. And usually, it's, it's, it, it uses air pressure and soft materials like silicon that really mimic nature. Um, stuff like biomimicry is a very interesting concept that you see a lot of times when it comes to soft robotics. Um, but I could, could also say that you could make a, a stiff robotic, a soft robotic, by applying soft materials around it mm-hmm. so that... It's not dangerous anymore to uh, uh, humans, for example, because it has this soft layer. Just like an organism has a skeleton, it also has a soft skin wrapped around. And mm-hmm. up to now, we refer to robotics as stiff uh, plastic or metal beings. So, um, yeah, I, I would say I'm a bit a bit on the spectrum of it does have a stiff skeleton and then with some soft layer wrapped around.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. So that leads me to another question. When we were studying, do you think that all oh, this misconception about soft robotics or oh, that shouldn't be to be that way if there's any misconceptions come to your mind when you encounter soft robotics
1: well especially in case of, of my own startup where we are creating um, uh, in between brackets soft robotic um, some of my professors like they argue with me like is it really a soft robotic because what we did is we have this inner uh, stiff shell mm-hmm. wrapped around with um, foam, and as in the um, if you look at the definition of a soft robotic, it, it usually doesn't have any stiff material inside. It is really like an octopus almost, mm-hmm. right? It has the air chambers, and you can move and wrap it around. And I guess that's always where it is discussion is of the concept itself should yeah. it be um, absolutely uh, flexible in in, in all uh, in all ways or is it allowed to have some sort of stiff materials inserted or embedded within the silicon materials that mm-hmm. most of the time are being used um and i would argue that to make it more accessible and to get soft robotics on the market more rapidly, we should more appreciate more this in between, like a hybrid of a, a classic archetypical robotic made of metal combined with uh, soft layers.
0: Mm-hmm. So, let me ask you: what, what compelled you and your co-founders to start with the first sleeping robot? Was it easy at the beginning, and or did you is it was obvious or you stumbled to get, come up with the idea?
1: Mm -hmm. So in our case, we were uh, building robotics in the Bio-Robotics Institute of the University of Technology in Delft and we were working on a robotic arm that was able to um, pick up boxes and put them in the right place um, for fulfillment processes within Amazon, for Mm -hmm. example, which was a cool project. Um, However, during that time, my own mom she was suffering from sleep deprivation mm-hmm. and i wanted to make something for her that could stop her from eating sleeping pills because she was highly addicted to it mm-hmm. so we were looking into okay what would a robotic look like that could help my mom sleep better and in that case you don't want to have mm-hmm. a metal man swinging her to sleep right yeah so that's when we started looking into the opportunities and the applications of self-robotics. Um, that's when we stumbled upon a bunch of research papers that were really interesting. And we just started experimenting. It's really trial and error. It's a new, um, uh, I would say, a new phenomenon within the robotics world um, where there is so much opportunity still to be found.
0: Oh, inspiring. So could you tell us more about technology, how the technology works and first leaving robots mix?
1: Yeah, so in our case, our product really works by um, using air pressure, right Our in our case, basically, the product is a sleep robot. So uh, what what you do a user that is stressed or anxious holds the the, the robot, it's like a tiny pillow, very soft and gentle. And it mimics breathing. Mm. And what we basically mimicking are the lungs right so Uh we have like a bladder that blows up and and deflates and we make use of of air pressure and we have separate air chambers within the robotic that will fill itself with air so that you can feel the falling and rising sensation of the breath which is proven to subconsciously influence the breathing of a user so we can uh, lower the stress levels and also lower the heart rate in order to make it easier to fall asleep and yeah, what we do is basically use uh, an air compression um, a mechanism in combination with a bunch of air chambers mm-hmm. that we uh, control with a, a microcontroller based upon the sensor inputs that the user gives the robotics. So we have a CO2 sensor and an accelerometer. So we basically determine the breathing frequency of a user and in real time start to match that frequency um, with the mechanism itself. So if you breathe in, the robotic breathes in. And it was very tricky to make it feel natural, because Mm. it might sound easy, but to mimic a breathing pace, it already starts to feel like a robotic creepy breath rather soon. So we did a lot of research in making it appear natural and very silent as well, because you don't want to hear the sounds of a pump or a compressor (laughs) in the middle of the night, if you know what I mean.
0: So how you did it to make there is noises coming out from the design, and also if anyone had a problem at breathing, what could be the situation scenario that robots can do?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, um, to answer your first question, what we did is we had uh, a lot of conversations with an acoustic engineer, um, which was mm-hmm. something he uh, he had never heard about robotics, and we were not experts in acoustics. But oh. he knows a lot about sounds and how it resonates and how you make damper uh, damping and dampers um, so we made a lot of models a lot of iterations upon how to isolate the mechanism in a way that it could not resonate with any of the materials that would actually emit the sound that you can hear with your ears yeah. and we had to lower it down below 25 uh, decibel ampere, because that is the sound that like, um, leaves on a on a tree will make if there's a, a bit of a breeze. And that is you're barely able to detect that. So that was one of the hardest challenges. But we managed to to fix it by uh, just trial and error creating uh, damping and uh, resonating mm-hmm. uh, uh, how to say structures that will go around the mechanism itself.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. Right. And second, the question: if anyone has, why well, it's important in general, if someone is listening, to have a sleeping robot? This is one part. And also, mm-hmm. if one had a problem as breezing, what, what could be such a scenario in this case?
1: Yeah, so our product is really targeted towards people that have trouble falling or staying asleep. And actually, at this very moment, we are in a global sleep crisis where. One Mm. out of four people is actually sleep deprived, uh, which will result in health disorders like uh, 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 heart attacks, Mm. um, uh, you have an increased chance on Alzheimer's, even depression. Really sleep is the cornerstone for healthy living. And what we found is that the biggest cause of sleep deprivation is stress and anxiety. And the most natural way of fighting stress and anxiety Or actually, treating the symptoms is by breathing deeply, and that is exactly what our sleep robot does. So it you hold it, and it will physically fall and rise the sensation of breathing Mm -hmm. against your chest and against your hands, and this guides you towards deep breathing exercises that will help you soothe body and mind. And in combination with audio where we play guided meditation mm. or white noise in the right stage of the sleep cycle so we are continuously monitoring your sleep stage and adjusting the breathing pace and the audio that the robot is providing you with so yeah it is for people that want to improve their sleep in a, in a natural way without the requirement of taking sleeping pills
0: mm-hmm. that's a good point i think we have to it later but before going into this part of technology developed I would go to more when was the actual start for the cynics? How was it start actually started it have this company?
1: Yeah, so this was all within the robotics institute. We were just prototyping and since my mom was sleeping so badly, mm-hmm. she was really suffering during the day. You know, she mm-hmm. wasn't just sleeping uh badly once a week no every day she would only sleep approximately two to four hours which was absolutely destroying her during the day i mean she lost her job she Mm. she wasn't able to be herself anymore and that really motivated me to find a solution so i ducked into literature and and uh read a bunch of research papers that suggested that audio and breathing were actually proven and effective methods of helping one calm down um so we immediately started creating prototyping we created all sorts of types of soft robotics that have this implementation of breathing simulation even one that could emit warmth or even um, make it a bit colder in the bedroom because temperature is also very vital Um, and we just experimented along the way until we found something that my mom felt very happy about and um, from that point onwards we started to iterate with new users created also different sizes how soft should it be how stiff should it be and that was an interesting experience to really do hands-on quick iterations with physical prototypes and users based upon uh, literature
0: research mm-hmm. great so what hurdles you face when you started uh, this idea like uh, personally and professionally to come up with the first product to the market mm-hmm. it, what hurdles you have
1: Oh, there were so many (laughs) it's really um like bringing a product to the market and especially a robotic is is something you should only do if you are truly passionate about bringing robots to the world because Mm. people expect magic um the thing is that I, i guess in media Robotics are always displayed when they are working properly, right? In a certain context, a video is shown of a robot doing a backflip and it's so people think that we are already very far ahead in the development of advanced technologies. Mm-hmm. But once you've put them in a different context and uh, one parameter or, or vari- uh, variable um, changes, the robot won't work anymore. So also in our case, we had to overcome so many challenges when it came to the acceptance of going to bed with the robot. Mm-hmm. I mean, sentence itself already sounds a bit bizarre, but also getting the certification of bringing uh, a robotic entity underneath the sheets. Imagine about the battery and uh, Mm -hmm. the safety requirements. So we had a big delay on the side of certification, which was very tricky for us because if you want to manufacture, you need to have your certification in place before you start delivering to customers. so this was a big hurdle that we had to overcome. And of course, that has a personal impact as well. Um, I mean, you work very long hours, and that will take a toll on your private life. So you need to find the balance between your work and also thinking about yourself. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So its it was hard at the beginning. So how you solve it to just balance everything? Because I think it was very hard time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's all about the team, right? Mm-hmm. I know this is a cliche answer, but if you are in trouble and especially the, the for us, the certification as an example, mm-hmm. or when we had to really make the mechanism super silent because you don't want to hear any squeaks or noises during the night. Mm-hmm. Um, those were very tough challenges um, and also getting like the sensor data to be uh, filtered. That was really challenging and especially when it is when it's becoming a business. So it used to be an academic project, and we brought it into an accelerator where we made a business plan around it. It was really the team and the positive feedback that we got from users that were telling us, hey, it's it's really helping me. I feel less anxious and I feel less stressed now. That That is the thing that motivates you, like knowing why you are creating this uh, robotic and why it is uh, helping people or mm-hmm. the planet um, uh, live a better life. Wow. Um, and if you really understand the why of your robotics, like, then you can overcome any how, basically. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's great. So I would like to ask you how you see intelligence in soft robotics, how you define intelligence. And this leads to another question about uh, how sleeping soft robots is intelligent to mimic the breathing and all this kind of this mimicking the same behavior. So tell us more about this uh, regard about intelligence
1: yeah so always when i think we refer to intelligence you have two types right you have emotional intelligence and iq Mm -hmm. and i guess when it comes to iq robotics is is rather advanced i mean in the end it is a it is a computer and a computer is intelligence in a sense it has A lot of information at the tip of its fingers since we have the internet but if we look at emotional intelligence robotics are far far down the ladder right Mm -hmm. that that's in the end what distinguishes us humans from robotics and it might also in the end become our savior or destruction the fact that we have emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. but to uh, skip the more philosophical part there um, i guess intelligence in the end is all about getting information, analyzing that information, having a certain interpretation or perspective on it, and then act upon it in a way that will um, either uh, improve or influence the data set. And I know this is a very abstract saying of what intelligence actually is, but when it comes to our robotic, um, what it does, it measures your breathing and it will start predicting in a feedback loop um, what your breathing pace will be to match it and slowly guide you down. But even more advanced, what we're working on now in an algorithm is Mm -hmm. to predict whether you will have a nightmare Uh or to predict when you will become awake. And these things are very interesting to create value that no other product can do than a robot. And I guess that's why robotics are such a big game changer, because they will create products that are just static into dynamic objects that can interact with their environment Mm -hmm. to create a more tailored value proposition to the user.
0: And that's fascinating. How you can predict someone having, she or he had a nightmare. What is the circumstances? Is this something you, I don't know what is the science behind that.
1: Mm -hmm. So we are still experimenting with this. So it's not in the current product, but we have prototypes. And how it works is we have a lot of people recording their sleep, right? You have like people using Fitbits or smartwatches. Mm -hmm. And there is so much data available uh, through accelerometers, their heart rate sounds like um, really crucial vital parameters. And we can actually distract um, or extract patterns from those sleeping data to say, okay, if someone is moving with their legs or twisting with their head, it might suggest that they are in a nightmare Mm -hmm. uh, or are experiencing a very vivid dream. If we are looking into REM sleep which is rapid eye movement sleep stage um, we approximately sleep like uh, um, uh or dream for an hour uh, each night and this sleeping stage has certain characteristics that you can uh, extract from the data so if the robotic measures that you are for example moving or and it, it matches the pattern of uh, uh, thousands of other people that have been mm-hmm. <laughs> recording their sleep data we can uh, approximately uh, predict whether you would have a, be having a nightmare, and then kindly uh, adjust the behavior of the robotic. In our case, with sounds and breathing.
0: Mm-hmm. But I don't know how if uh, someone just maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, uh, I don't know if this question is quite important, but if someone having or she having a nightmare, what a robot can do in the situation? If you experience yeah. a, a, a severe nightmare. And sometimes you know in some symptoms sometimes you are feel paralyzed. You can move your legs or hands and this is something happened during nightmares. I don't know what you think about situation Robert can do or to save the person from this nightmare.
1: Yeah, I guess this is this is very personal. I mean some people don't want to be disturbed in their sleep, so yeah. <laughs> they shouldn't be doing anything. But for example, people with a post traumatic stress disorder yeah. that have very serious issues with um, re-experiencing their trauma mm-hmm. um, they would be happy to be woken up from that nightmare yeah. um, which you could do in a pleasant way by slowly increasing the volume of a certain sound mm-hmm. um, there, there are multiple ways of um, having actuators uh, have become an intervention of that um, terrible experience that you're having at that moment
0: mm-hmm, that's great so uh, is there any ethics or regulation in that case because you have a data of your customers and this is something mm-hmm. i think uh, the hot topic also about the the privacy and mm-hmm. um, i don't know what kind of uh, regulation you follow uh, in the company regarding the data of your customers
1: yeah so um, especially now in europe with the gdpr which has very strict regulations mm-hmm. upon user data um it becomes more and more challenging to run our algorithms you know because especially health data is the tier one um, um mm-hmm. yeah security level so to say so we're not able to really process the data only in an anonymous s- statistical matter um so yeah we have a privacy officer that is constantly monitoring the activities that we're conducting to see whether they are in line with the regulations that we have here in Europe, um, which is one of the most strictest ones. So then you can easily also go to other countries with that framework. Um, From another perspective, we had a, quite a beautiful story where an elderly with dementia was uh-huh. not sleeping well because she lost her husband. And mm-hmm. what we did is we programmed the voice of her husband from an old voice uh, video recording into the robotic together with a slow breathing pace and we gave it to the elderly. And she Mm. felt like it was the reincarnation of her husband and this sounds rather creepy but it was really helping her sleep because she was so anxious every night because she was where is my husband he's gone while Mm. he was he passed away 10 years ago but because of her dementia and alzheimer's she didn't know and then the robotic really helped her Um, provide a feeling of affection and safety. However, some people thought it was not ethical, because anyway you are faking the presence of a real person Mm. and there's no real uh, human-to-human interaction there. So that is another ethical discussion that you could ask yourselves, or whether we would become the ultimate substitute of a real bad partner. Um, Those are really interesting philosophical questions that we ask ourselves every day.
0: That's super interesting i'm just wondering about the emotion because you bring this emotions up uh, in terms of maybe the sound but uh this something is is really fascinating to way of thinking okay uh-huh. yeah so let me ask you about uh i think in your company you're working in different aspects so how you come to uh, merge all these different languages speaking from acoustic and engineering part and maybe philosophical question and psychology and how you combine these languages to come up with something uh, workable at the end. Is it is it challenging to do that?
1: It is challenging, but at the same time it is so much fun. Um, in, in my case, I, I did my bachelor's degree in industrial design engineering mm-hmm. and there I really learned to talk the language of various engineers, so electrical engineers, programmers, even um, I I did a a track within medicine, so there I got to know anatomy, neuroscience, and in that way, I became acquainted by having a basic level of understanding of a, a few fields of of faculty knowledge Um, that, that enables me to create robotics because then you can get people that are experts on these fields and combine them in this shared vision of ours and i guess visualization is very important communication is very important and taking the jargon out of the robotic uh, scene because i guess that is a big problem if you want a physician or a neuroscientist Mm -hmm. to talk with you about the electronics it can become tricky if the others tone are not able to explain it to uh, a four-year-old kid right Mm -hmm. Uh, so you always need to have this basic understanding Mm -hmm. of Uh, Of everything, um, and then have the experts on the field that are very crucial. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's all about trial and error because there is, it's really pioneering in a sense because you're not um, incrementally innovating upon existing uh, uh, projects. You're really doing something that doesn't really exist in the world nowadays. So Mm -hmm. you will be walking into walls (laughs) all the time.
0: So, uh, I don't know if you have any cooperation in hospitals here in Netherlands in particular, uh, or in general in Europe, They are interested in the technology, because I think this is something like a nursery robot in the end. You monitor the respiration of other persons. So, I don't know what is the responses you get from the government or maybe hospitals uh, in particular.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are closely working with hospitals and also um, uh, non governmental organizations. Mm-hmm. And um, what we found is that they're actually quite, especially in the Netherlands, I'd say they're very open to innovation because they know um, the only way to improve health care is to open your arms for innovation, mm-hmm. right? And to shift from sick care to actual health care where we can prevent illnesses from happening rather than treating illnesses. And that's the beauty with sleep, because if you sleep well, you prevent so many illnesses mm. from happening. And then this approach that we found, which is a sub-robotic, is actually a very emotional approach. And they were, uh, people are kind of skeptical about it, but at the same time, very intrigued. Um, what's very funny mm. is that some of our users even gave the pro- our product a name, they had an emotional bond with it Um, uh, which is very interesting to see because you know there's not a lot of products that people give a name because they have like a real relationship with it and again this might sound crazy but that's i guess also the power of soft robotics Mm -hmm. they and and robotics in general they don't appear to be products but they appear to be actually alive right because they have this sense of awareness Mm -hmm. and intelligence that other organisms have as well. So, yeah, I feel like in the Netherlands the acceptance is 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 okay, but really within the, the innovation-focused healthcare systems. If you really want to become a part of the standardized healthcare uh, proposition, that will take years because reimbursement and clinical validation are key for the entry to the market.
0: Mm-hmm. You are led to a nice point about that they give names to the robots and. I don't know when you design a robot at the beginning, you are aiming for having like a shape uh, with a humanized shape so that you they can relate to it. I, I have looked at this robot, but it seems that he doesn't have any something similar to human. So I, I don't no. know what is the philosophy you use. is about uh, designing. Why select like the shape in particular? so that people can relate to it, like something like a human or, or something like pitting. You know what I mean? In, in same psychology, to connect with these robots.
1: Yeah. So first of all, our design philosophy is not to create products,
0: mm. not to
1: create lifeless pieces of plastic, but to create living creatures, create life, creating companions, mm. because the, the, the added value is that in our case, sleep is a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. And if it can provide you with a certain companionship, that is actually part of the whole proposition. And uh, in our case, we didn't want it to really look like a human because that can also be kind of scary. So we too looked at the elements of, of nature and humans that are um, the minimum... Uh, Um, how to say, required elements to make it appear alive. And breathing, in our case, is actually very human-like. So uh, we took the elements that were the minimum... Uh, viable features, basically, to give it this sense of being a creature rather than just an abstract looking pillow. And mm. the design itself is inspired on a fetus, right? So it is like a, 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 a bean almost. So you can really spoon it and wrap yourselves around in an a ergonomical uh, shape.
0: Yeah. So what are the challenges that you have already in the company for the product improving? What is the kind of challenges you have? you and team
1: yeah um i would say like the data collection can be quite tricky because in our case you don't hold on to the product the whole night Mm. so you get a bit of skewed metrics and data coming in and then um yeah as we referred to before all the regulations make it very hard for us to start processing this data into the cloud because we are simply not allowed to do so Um, (laughs) So you have basically a data problem there and what we're looking into now for our second generation robotic is to start offering thoracic and abdominal breathing so this is basically chest and belly breathing which is Mm -hmm. a very important difference in um, pranayama which is a a breathing exercise in in yoga Mm -hmm. um, where you can actually differentiate with multiple chambers uh, in the robotic to really have a sense of how should i control my Chest breathing and my belly breathing at the same time. Um, so these are, are rather tricky, and to really keep on adding that companion, feeling of companionship, which mm-hmm. is I know sounds very abstract, but is really the most powerful thing about our product. I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. So I would like to ask you about what could make a soft robotics company in general successful, and for you. What is a vision do you have? I know it's maybe it's uh, an old question, but I would like to see how you vision envision vision success uh, for something. How you make sure it's successful? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yeah, so it really depends on your definition of success. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess a lot of people would say success is based upon how much money you make as a company or if you're acquired by a big corporate. Mm-hmm. Um, in our case, it's not about money. I mean, money is a tool to, to basically facilitate the bigger goal that you have in mind and in our case when if i would say that we are successful is how many lives can we change by helping mm-hmm. people sleep better using the power of soft robotics so we have this big dashboard in our office um it's a big screen displaying all the people that are sleeping with our product at this very moment so we can see how many people we have impacted or actually helped improve their sleep in real time and Our aim is to really help like a million of people in 2030 Mm -hmm. improve their sleep naturally. And I would be very proud to say that we would be very successful if we achieve that goal Mm -hmm. uh, doing what we do today. Um, In soft robotics in general, I'd say there's very few soft robotics on the market now. I Mm. mean, you could also argue whether our current product is a soft robotic. Um, But I guess the trick is, you should really find a use case where it adds value you see so many examples in mit media lab for example yeah. that's like a squishy octopus but it doesn't serve a certain purpose mm. it's really there for research purposes which is great but then to bring uh, a research uh, piece of technology into the market requires a really good uh, Feeling to create value for a user in a specific use case and don't promise the world with Bells and whistles and so many features because it will disappoint people expect magic and you should keep it simple mm. so the initial success for soft robotics is in simple valuable uh, uh, Devices that can be entered uh, that can actually enter the market without millions and billions of capital um, uh, required to do so.
0: So that's a really imp- important point, and I would like to stress how we can ensure that soft robotics could be beneficial for humans. I think I think this is something you already holding in your message, but I would like to hear you. How what are the criteria for anyone is listening to make sure that technology is beneficial for humans as all. Well?
1: Um... I could talk an hour about that, (laughs) but the short question is that we engineers should from the beginning, work more closely with other uh, industry experts, I guess, uh, having a sense of uh, value creation, having a designer, having a business developer, having the actual user in the beginning of your research project is so valuable to identify, okay, Before I create any piece of technology,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: what is it that the person actually needs? What problem are we solving here? And are we being engineers that want to push technology in the market? Or are we people that want to help real people problems? Mm -hmm. And that's what you see going wrong a lot of times in the university, that you're creating technology for the sake of creating technology. Mm -hmm. But if we, from the beginning, like, really, the problem statement when you are doing desk research are already familiar with why you are doing what you are doing, why is this important, and how is it helping someone. That is the first initial step to making more successful research projects actually getting to the market. And, um, I guess that is the most simple and short answer that I have. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Do you think this is related to education system and, and university or maybe uh, and I've grabbed or maybe it's about funding in academia. Uh, it's a complex problem, but I don't know how you envision the problems come from, because we invest a lot of mm-hmm. money in some technologies, especially maybe in soft robotics, and it's not has not that purpose in the end. So do you think what the solutions could be uh, offered to, uh, f- to go to the right direction and uh, invest mm-hmm. in the right products or technology? Where the problems come from? Yeah,
1: that's, that is a tricky question, mm-hmm. almost pol- political. Um, I guess it just starts by, by making sure that academia are really focused upon... Their, their metric is not revenue. Their metric is getting a lot of peer reviewed papers out there, uh, Mm -hmm. which is basically how you become a successful university, right? How many patents uh, Mm -hmm. you get submitted. I guess we should start changing our metrics. Like, what as a society do we think is a success for uh, the existence of a university? Is a successful a university a university that has many papers, mm-hmm. or is a successful university a university that has produced many successful companies that have now improved healthcare, uh, renewable energy, um, that sort of stuff? So. I guess it starts by just requiring something else from the academia that are out there and encouraging collaboration in an earlier stage between business schools and engineering schools, Mm -hmm. rather than once they are on the market in a business form. But again, I'm not a political figure, so this is just something that I come up uh, up with at the spot. Mm -hmm.
0: Great. So, now, I don't, I don't know what should, which demographic regions are interested in a 1st living robot. According to the data, which regions are interested in the technology?
1: So, at the moment, we are in the USA, United mm-hmm. Kingdom, Europe and Japan. And uh-huh. what is very fascinating is that, especially in Japan, people are very intrigued by the product. Um, yeah. Japan is actually the country where people sleep very badly. And uh-huh. at the same time have accepted robotics for a long time. You have robotic hotels, robotic yeah. restaurants, and uh, you go on. So they have already accepted technology to live side by side for a long time. And therefore the acceptance of going to bed with a robot is very uh, low barrier. And uh-huh. um, yeah, that's uh, that, That's what we found. So, mainly adults that really want to avoid taking medication and that want to look for natural solutions, mm-hmm. starting from 30 to 60 years old, is now our main demographic uh, of our customer base.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how you would predict the, the growth of the company? It's going to be exponential and linear. How you would see it? <laughs>
1: well i hope it will be exponential of course uh, everyone wants yeah, like yeah, a hockey sure. stick figure you know going for space uh, um i would say um it's really hard to predict i actually mm. can predict it to to be honest because it's it's based upon so many assumptions and uh, variables that it's 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 hard to hard to tell mm-hmm. um and also as a society how do we look towards robotics. Um, If there is, I don't know, an accident with a self-driving Tesla that will take down the morale towards robotic uh, things you know, around us and that will make it harder for us. Um, and you see that people really are scared of innovation. And it has always been like that since the in, uh, invention of fire or the invention of the wheel, people are scared. And the time for um, a population to adapt to technology like the internet or um, the smartphone, it just takes years. And I feel like we're on the same page with our product here that, I mean, a lot of people are sleeping very badly, but then again, the acceptance of a robotic is just, yeah, we are ahead of the, of the acceptance of the masses. So yeah, we'll see. But I, I have, uh, of course, um, great faith in the success of the company.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how you see the competition in the market. Maybe you are the first sleeping robot. There are some researchers about how we can develop uh, materials that could produce but is isn't in in academia. So I don't know how you see the competition, especially in the market is focused mainly in AI solutions. So how you see this competition is going? Is this fair or how you would see it from from your experience?
1: So there's no really competition. I would say we are in a so-called blue ocean. Mm-hmm. So a place where there are barely any uh, competitors in a market uh, need that is unmet. Uh, and yeah, the, the, the closest thing that I have found was actually a, a, a mini mouse teddy bear <laughs> that had some sort of uh, breathing uh, m- device in there, which was really crappy. Um, that is the only competition we have found so far. But mm-hmm. um, if you look at sleep-inducing devices, yeah, it's really the pharmacy, the pharmaceutical companies that are selling sleep pills that are our biggest competitor.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know how you uh, just in another land in particular. Do you have like events uh, to engage general public about these uh, first sleeping robots, or uh, events to engage people to participate in?
1: Mm, yeah so we have participated in quite a lot of events Um, not necessarily in a robotic niche market Mm. Um, we have found great success in where our customer is at you know because that's in the end as a company who you want to meet so we went to CES in Las Vegas which is the biggest consumer electronics show And then sometimes we also go to uh, robotic uh, niche industry uh, events, which is mainly valuable to connect with the industry, catch up with the latest trends, uh, do recruiting, find talented PhD engineers. Um, But yeah, I I guess, again, it comes to the same point. Do you want to be a technology company that is obsessively uh, active? Yeah. by creating technology for the market? Or do you want to create something valuable to the market and work your way backwards? Mm-hmm. That's always the question to ask.
0: So I would like to ask you now um, a more philosophical question about, do you think ego is important when you start your startup? Is is, <laughs> it is important?
1: It is, for sure. I mean, Why? in a sense, you, you need to, you need to Protect yourselves. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a risky thing to start uh, your own company Mm -hmm. Um, There are safer safer and and more reliable ways of living for sure Um, But at the end at the same time a startup gives you a sense of freedom and the fact that you can pursue your own dream Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you need to be able to say no and choose for your own wellness your own good and therefore you need to yeah, really appreciate being um, <laughs> about your own ego mm. uh, to, to, to really go through the sometimes very challenging phases you need to go through. So, yeah, be, be, uh, be aware of your ego for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you have already a sleeping robot at your home or any other robots do you have?
1: I do. my house is full of them. <laughs> I collect all sorts of robots i've found uh, I found around me. Um so I have a sleep robot, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. when I fly around the world, i uh, I use it for my jet lags mm-hmm. or for a meditation ritual in the morning. but I also have like a, a vacuum robot. Um, I have like these toy robotics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Factor is one of them, you know they uh, um, the, the, it, it has a very nicely animated display that that has very it almost looks like a real creature because his eyes move like yeah. up and down it's, it's it's amazing um and then again it, i uh, to repeat myself the first question what is a robotic entity in a sense mm. my phone could be a robotic entity so i guess my house is is full of them
0: okay so at you heard it for growth in the company what other qualities do you think is important for the people who are joining uh the company uh and do you think that BHD is a must To join
1: Um, so I guess a skill set is one thing
0: Mm -hmm. right
1: are you able to actually write code are you able to do a fem analysis are you able to make prototypes and do 3d printing that is one thing Um, but the most important thing is culture why Mm -hmm. do you want to work for us what is your purpose what are your values are you eager to learn or are you only obsessed with technology um, so we look or we try to look beyond the skill set itself and really look to the person what is his personality and does he fit into our team mm-hmm. which in the end defines culture so um, yeah that's uh, there's a lot of criteria for us in order to determine whether you fit our dream team as mm-hmm. we refer to it <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, great so and and b2g is a must in that case or how you see it to have a PhD?
1: Uh, I would say uh, it's in, in our case, it's not required. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have two PhD uh, for uh, in, in our team, but it, it is not a required because again, it's, it's it's such a niche research in a PhD. So sometimes in case of a particular technolo- technological challenge, it might be super valuable. But in soft robotics research, there is just so yeah, so few available that you will be pioneering anyways, and I rather have someone that is open-minded and has uh, engineering skills in a in a very broad perspective, and then in some areas have a PhD uh, candidate that is that is very uh, knowledgeable about a certain uh, part of your uh, product itself. But as a startup, I would say having someone who has a broad skill set is more valuable.
0: Mm-hmm. So I just came across that you in the company you have a happiness officer and a sleep success manager. I don't know how, for for so two terms of a job is is intriguing for to to see it. So could you please tell us what actually the jobs are doing?
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, the happiness officer basically makes sure that everyone is happy with uh, the, uh, with their work. Uh, so making sure everyone is happy with the work they do, the workload is decent, that they are able to personally grow. Right, we want everyone to learn, and the next day when you come in our office, you should be a, a, a improved version of yourselves. And this officer is just continuously monitoring what he or she can do to provide you with the tools, resources, and talent to to flourish. Um, It's a very fun job actually and Mm -hmm. and everyone uh, increases their performance because they feel more Uh, appreciated about what they do. Um, And then the sleep success manager is really a a sales position that is uh, about calling our current customers and asking them about their experience to make it more smooth for future customers and really help them uh, have a great onboarding experience with our products and also gather data to improve our research and development activities.
0: Mm -hmm. So let me ask you about how you foresee your company in the future What what's something or oh, you can imagine something that comes to your mind imagine to have this in the future you have those kind of thoughts running to your mind sometimes
1: so yeah well we really want to become the key reference point of sleep improvement so we mm. want to basically make sure that the whole world can sleep well if they want to and we want to have a whole portfolio of products preferably robotics that can uh, live up to that dream. So we want to have a robot for everyone in the family, for every age and for every budget, So, for example, robots in the hospital, robots in care institutions, but also robots for for babies, um, all to to help them sleep. And now we have one that is effective for people that have uh, stress and anxiety, but we also want to help people that have apnea, restless legs, or a partner that is snoring. Um, We want to have a whole... Uh, portfolio of products that have like some sort of soft robotic technology in it to uh, Mm -hmm. give it that companionship-like feeling um, to India and help just a lot of people help sleep in a natural way.
0: Mm -hmm. So do you think that robots can reach a point of singularity, that something could happen? Do you think that?
1: Yeah, I'm actually concerned about it. Like I'm, I'm reading a lot about it. Uh, I guess the book Life 3.0 uh, was a great read about it. Mm-hmm. Like um, uh, being human in the age of artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the thing is like, in some way we are very, it, it's, it's far in the future when it will happen, but sometimes I also feel like, yeah, it could be very close by at the same time. And that's why it is so important that especially from a political level, there is so much uh, ignorance upon technology mm-hmm. there is no political figure in the netherlands that is very knowledgeable about the impact of technology i mean mm-hmm. look at the the self-driving cars and, and 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 facebook that is you know it it, it enters our lives sooner than any uh, political party can actually uh uh, yeah. uh understand you know mm-hmm. and this is just something that worries me because if these Type of technologies fall into the hands of uh, like the yeah. bad guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that can really, really uh, destroy us, and that's that's that scares me
0: sometimes. Mm-hmm. Great. I okay. would like to ask you about what the best advice was given to you when you, you were a co-founder when you started someone, as a company. What is the mm-hmm. best advice? Are you think you get shared with the audience?
1: The best advice that I have ever received? Um, that is a tricky question. It really depends on the phase you're in, the, the challenges that you're facing at that moment. But um, again, I, I think knowing your why will uh, help you overcome anyhow. And I have said that quote before, but I guess that's the most important thing if you because starting a startup is so challenging, and you really need to know why you are doing it from a personal point of view, but also from a more um, outward point of view, and then you will find out how you do it, it won't be easy. But if you strongly believe and dream and feel and and, and smell uh, why you do what you do, um, you'll be able to understand and overcome any how. And um, that's something too that I remind myself about because it's not always easy. Mm. Um, and that just, yeah, gives me the ambition and energy to get right back into it and, and make, it, uh, make it work. Mm. So, yeah, get out there and uh, know why you're doing what you're doing.
0: <laughs> Great. So, I would like to ask if you have final words of robotics community from post listening or academia or industry or student. Final words you would like to add?
1: Um, I think, like the listeners of the show, you are interested in soft robotics, otherwise, you wouldn't be listening. And I think we are really onto something that a lot of people are not aware of namely, the opportunities that soft robotics bring us the impact that we can have in healthcare and has solving real problems that robots could not solve before. We can now finally enter households safely. We can finally safely interact with people. And I guess the implications of that are unimaginable and and, and, and great. So make sure you put your skills to the test in a way that you can actually Help people and um, soft robotics will do just that. They will be the game changer for the healthcare industry. So I'm very curious for the community what they come up with and, and share and help each other with the, the challenging road that is ahead of us.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for your time. And on behalf of i RAS, I would like to thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.